Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host, Conor O'Neill, and I'd like to be joined this afternoon by Joe Thomas, Chris Beasley and Gav Buckland as we look back on a pretty memorable away victory for Everton. We use the, the word memorable quite lightly, but when they don't come along as often as what they should do for the Blues, mm-hmm. when you do get one, you have to treasure it. And the Blues certainly picked up all three points at the weekend in Southampton at St Mary's. Lads, we'll get straight into it because there is only one place to start now is on the South Coast at the weekend. Joe and Chris, you're both there for the Echo. Joe, I'll start with you. Coming from behind, three points. Perfect Saturday afternoon, wasn't it, for the Blues? Yeah, it was a perfect Saturday afternoon. I think yeah, there, were, there were so many positives from which you could take from the game. And it it really had the potential to not work out that way when you saw the start to the second half. In the first half, they Everton with the better side. You know, Obviously, I appreciate a lot of the people listening to this won't have had the chance to have seen the full 90 minutes because of the timing and, and where it was. But... It felt like a good performance, even in the first 45. There wasn't a lot that happened. I must admit that, you know, normally I like to have a few words of me of me match report to sum up the first half written at half time, and I'll stare in a, a blank screen. But Evan were, looked solid, and they, they dictated the play. Idrissa Gay was just probably the best player on the pitch in that first 45 minutes. You know, he acted as a like a bulwark against the um, Southampton attackers, and he just looked so composed on the ball. And then Damari Gray looked threatening throughout. He, he had one of those games where he, he was very, very effective at beating players, but it was just that bit of end product at the end. But you know, when it came to that first 45 minutes going to half time, it, it felt a bit like a lot of games that we've already seen Everton involved in so far this season, where you're looking at you thinking they're playing some nice stuff. They're definitely a lot more solid than, than they were last season. You know, there are reasons to be cheerful, but are they going to come away with the three points? And then... Obviously, you go into the second half, hopefully they're going to build on the first half display. And, and, and for some reason, they just started really, really sloppily. And, you know, I spoke to Frank after, and obviously he was disappointed with the way that they did it. You know, Idrissa Garnagay gave away the, the, the ball for the first goal. And then even after they equalised, Everton's match winner came from a counter-attack from a, from, from a Southampton move that was sparked by Tarkovsky giving the ball away. But... After going after the disappointment of playing so well in the first half, going but then going one 0 down in the, in the second half, you know, that so easily could have turned into a nightmare for for Everton. And you can so often that was the case last season. But perhaps the biggest takeaway, well, and I know Chris has written a lot about this, is just the resilience that's shown that that was a game that nil nil and one nil down last season. They you know may well have gone on to have lost two or three nil and, and collapsed. In this case. You know, we're dealing with a far more resilient side, both psychologically and physically. You know, they hit back straight away. They got the second goal and they defended with their lives. They didn't quite have to defend with their lives, but but they defended resolutely and battled hard and won everything. And to be honest, you know, probably had the best chance to score the fourth goal of the game when when McNeil played through the Mari Gray. But ultimately, you know, it's three points. It's another positive performance. There's still a lot of room for improvement, but 
you know, that's it continues the unbeaten run. Another three points on the board. You saw the fans at the way that he had fans and the players, the celebrations at the away end after finishing the West Ham, finishing the first part of the season with that win against West Ham and us all sleeping comfortably. I think for the two weeks of the international break, I submit I was looking ahead on Saturday morning to this next six weeks and think it's a tough run of fixtures and. Southampton away might be one of the ones where you can make life a lot easier by getting three points, but I wasn't sure if they were going to do so. Getting them is a massive win. It really does kickstart this this little mini season now with a bang. Bees, I suppose, in terms of this result, it's one of them, isn't it, where there's, there's so many aspects to it that are pleasing in the sense of, you know, back-to-back, come from behind, win on the road, because obviously, you know, how difficult Everton have faced things on the road. But to take all in boxing, kind of one goal, it must be a huge relief for Frank Lampard, mostly because he didn't really want to get back into what I had last season, where the the way forward away run goes on and on and on, and in the end, it just becomes a bit of a burden for everyone at the club. Yeah, I mentioned um, you know corresponding fixture last season, um, two 0 Storm Eunice batting in the country, and you know nightmare trips for the fans back, and uh, some echo reporters as well. But I mean, uh, thankfully, you know we. We've rid ourselves of those Jonas now and um, in the sunshine. Um, yeah, it, it, all, it all came um, good after, after, you know, like I said, a setback. You'd have fought 1-0 last season. Game over, that that's it now. Uh, and, you know, ironically, as Joe said, the Drissa Gay, the best uh, player of the first half, they're just giving it away. It seems so so typical, really. But, yeah, in that mad three minutes, I said to Joe at the time, I said, I wish we could watch that passage of play back again because I'm not quite sure what happened over those first three minutes. And I to, it was only watching it back and match of the day, sort of able to really grasp just what went on in those um, few um, quick moments. But yeah, it's it, 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 a real result to sort of hang the season on now, hopefully up, up and running back-to-back victories, like you say. And the fact that it was a, well, only the second away win in the Premier League in, the, in over 13 months. So that's another monkey off the back in that respect. Um they got that one uh, out the way quickly for, for the new season. Yeah, a real resoluteness. I mean, it's, it's easy to say, but to come back in those, those circumstances, and okay, they rolled their luck at times, but they deserve that good fortune because not particularly had much of that this year. So, yeah, they, it, it, it was, it, we tick, like I say, ticked a lot of boxes and hopefully um, bodes well, uh, not just for next week at home to Man United, but for future away matches. Gav, beast was on it there, but, you know, a quick look on social media after the game on Saturday night and fans were pretty much all saying the same thing and that was, if that was this time last season, Everton would have lost that game and they go one nil behind. Due to the fact that they come from behind, they dug in deep and, and got themselves over the line. It's a testament to Frank, the resilience that Frank Lampard instilled in the squad, not just for the players who were there last season, but the players he's brought in, that they've got that bit of character and that bit of you know belief that they can come from behind. Yeah, social media was pretty interesting just after four o'clock for a couple of minutes on... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> on Saturday, oh, don't, look at games. don't look at it, Jordan Games is the goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there was there was quite a few people lose views at sort of five <laughs> past four, but weren't necessarily replicated, you know, with like quarter to five. Um, that's social media for that, and I was, I was fully understandable. Yeah, yeah, I think there's two things. I don't think it's just resilience, uh, Connor, to be honest with you. It, 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 it is, um, it, it, there's the, the combination of the players that have been brought in, and we we know who they are. But it's also it's also like we've obviously set up differently, aren't we? The last year, we're, best, we're certainly better drilled off um, offset pieces, aren't we? And that's reflected in 
and the stats, isn't it? Um, and I think, I think to be honest with you, I thought it was a bad goal to concede for all all of that on Saturday, wasn't it? Really loose mm-hmm. ball out of defence. We really never challenged the lad who scored, and I think Flank would have noticed that. And so yeah, it, resilience. But at the same time, I sort of get some of the arguments that we've had since Saturday that, in some respects, I think we're the lowest conceded. Premier League team, aren't we, for, for goals? Um, mm. But actually, we've ridden our luck after occasions, haven't we, in the eight games this season? I mean, countless shots have hit the woodwork, and we've obviously had Jordan to, to save us as again on Saturday. So, we're still, for all of that, we're still allowing opportunities. Having said that, we're still a very much a work in development, aren't we, at the back and, and, and in front of the defence? And, and, and I'm hoping we carry on over the next few games. With the sort, we've been a bit more solid, haven't we, since the derby in those two games, to be honest with you. Like, we can carry on with it as we've done against West Ham and Southampton rather than the uh, the six games before then. So, a bit of resilience, yeah, but also I think um, the character of the people that we brought in and also far better drilled defensively, certainly from set pieces. Joe, we've got to talk about him because he was the, the name on everyone's lips after the game on, on Saturday evening. He was one of them players who was brought in in the summer by Frank Lampard, and that was kind of cozy. So he had a few eyebrows raised when he first came in about, you know, his links to Liverpool and you know, his previous with, with the Anfield club and, and whatnot. And the fact his age and the fact that the, the myth of that he can't play in the back four, he can only play in the back three, hence why Bruno Large at Wolves was keen to, you know, surface the requirements. But again, Cody's another one of these answers all them questions in emphatic style. And also now, if it looked like they've got a prolific finisher. And, in the opposition box when they get the set pieces right. Yeah, well, I think what we on as we record this, we're on October the third, aren't we? So, Connor Cody signed for Everton on on August the eighth. So, in just under two months, the impact that he's had on that side has been, you know, been very impressive. He's already captained the side. You know, he's got his first goal, and if you look on social media, he's already got a number of the players, a number of his teammates referring to him as dad. So it's 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 clear that he has had a, a significant positive influence on that side, both in the dressing room and on the pitch. We've been able to see it time and time again in the performance that he has done. You know, he's he's he's, he's producing a, some wonderful displays, a, a really good partnership with 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 James Tarkovsky, and they they are, they are they definitely take Gav's point. You know, they're battling displays. You know, this isn't a defence that's keeping strikers at bay and thirty five yards out for. For 90 minutes, it's it's a game that is having to kind of defense is riding its luck at, at times. What they are doing is they you know, they're not conceding that many clear cut opportunities, or you know a lot of the chances that they're giving Jordan Pickford a chance to be able to save the the chance that they do allow because there's always a, they're always getting a foot in or an arm across or, or or something along those lines. You know he's he's been very good and he has. There were a lot of questions when he signed, obviously. Everton essentially adopted a dual strategy to this to summer transfer window where you know obviously they were looking for your young impressive players who are they can get on the way up that can they can get on the way up and therefore not spend as much money as they might have to in a couple of years time and then turn them into the finished product you know we saw that with Onana we will hopefully see that with with James Garner and and to a certain extent with with Dwight McNeil but the other side of the coin was looking at the likes of Cody, obviously Idrissa Gay and, and, and Tarkovsky, because I think there was a recognition from Kevin Farwell and Frank Lampard that they also needed immediate improvements. You know, we talk about the future and 
you know, all the hopes heading into Bramley more, but Everton have got to get there in the Premier League first. And in order to do that, they still have a lot of work to, to do from building on last season just to make sure they're not in a relegation scrap again. And obviously, we're very early on in this season. There's a tough fixture list ahead. And, you know, we don't really know how it's going to play out. But Connor Cody has been integral to the progress that is clear so far. Uh, you know, I, I spoke to him just after he signed. And, you know, it, it's, it's funny because... You talk about things like people questioning whether or not he'll be he'll have his heart in it for Everton because of his links to Liverpool, where he came through through that academy. You know, you know that was a long time ago. We, we forget that these are professional players and football is their job. And I think that he took a degree of frustration from people even questioning his commitment to his new club because of those those past links. And I think if anybody had any doubts, and I don't think you know, I think it was almost a little bit daft to have. In daft and silly to have those doubts in the first place. Just look at the celebrations when he thought he scored against Liverpool. Yeah, they were absolutely emphatic. You could see what it meant to him. Um, and obviously that goal was disallowed, but there were similar celebrations for the one that did stand against Southampton on on Saturday. You know, he's he's been a big sign in, a big sign in for, for Everton, and you know, he's here to stay. We I mean, one of the pieces that they just read. Obviously, we know there's a lot of upheaval at Wolves. And you know, have a new manager coming in, but there's no there's no recall clause in that deal. You know, Connor Cody is, is here at Everton for the rest of the season and because there's an option to buy in that contract, the ball's in Everton's court as to where he start where he plays his football next season as well. So from from Frank Lampard's perspective, it's all good. These you know, Joe touched on it there briefly, but it's funny as now things work out in football. You know, you look at the summertime when Bruno Large at Wolves wanted to go a different mm-hmm. way, Connor Cody was, you know kind of made service requirements, allowed to join Everton. And now, you know, we're two months into the season and you know, Bruno Large is no longer employed by Wolves following a disastrous run of form and, and Cody's flying higher Everton. It's, it's funny as how these things can work out in football and how things can go so disastrously wrong for one side but work out so well for another. Yeah, I mean, we said at the time, it, it, it was staggering at the time, and it's probably sort of been even more exaggerated now because of the, the way things have, have worked out. Um, Cody, club captain of Wolverhampton Wanderers, uh, regular inside virtually hardly missed a game in, I think, about five years or so. And all of a sudden, um, the manager decides he's going to play a different way. And uh, um, he's he's free to go. And, uh, you know, even if he is tinkering with things, you think, this is a model pro here. This isn't somebody who's going to rock the boats. Okay, it was set out to World Cup year and uh, we're going to give him a chance to play regular football, get in Gareth Southgate's England squad. Well, it seemed even at the time either very naive or uh, very, very generous for, for them to do it. Um, but Everton were the beneficiaries. Obviously, Felwell utilising his uh, links there, uh, previous, um, previously being at Molyneux with Wolverhampton Wanderers there. Uh, so, I mean, he must have thought Christmas had, had come early when he had got the chance to snap up Connor Cody. And, you know, a season-long loan, so Everton didn't end up in paying any transfer fee for now. But then, as Joe's just said, with the option to buy... Next summer, um, it's a testament to the way he's, he's come in and the impact that he has. has that the fact that as a lone player, he's already captain the club because, okay, it might only seem like um, a sort of technicality, but uh, to have somebody who's not currently owned by the club um, captain the team, it, it makes you feel that it, you know he's had a massive impact. And also probably you'd hope that it's just a matter of time before that becomes a permanent deal next summer and there's no sort of qualms over that. And then the huge one, the whole sort of, reasoning behind the move so so we're told the, the idea that Cody can't play in a back three so he goes to Everton starts the season in a back three Frank decides to switch to a, 
a, block, a, fat, a flat back four. And um, he, he, he's excellent in, in that position as well. It's not a problem for him. So, yeah, it, it, we seemed very, very fortunate for Everton at the time. And now the way things have worked out with Bruno Large being sacked to Wolves and Cody going from strength to strength at Everton, it, it, that's just made it look even more incredible. And what a coup for Everton. Gav, I think one of the big, big things with Cody, one of the biggest certainly things that caught my eye was when he was captain against West Ham. He was given the armband because, like we say, no, it's not often you see a lone player given the armbands only to clubs, you know, a short space of time. But that just shows the impact he's had, doesn't it? That he is cap, he has been captain, and he is that kind of father figure of the squad. And, and for Everton now moving forward, surely all folks got to be on getting him in on a payment deal because he clearly is a mainstay of the dressing room. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to do anything to next summer. I mean, financially, we can't do anything to next summer anyway. Um, it would be very unwise too, and I don't think we got the money. Is anybody surprised about Cody? I'm not. He's, he's exactly how I expected Connor Cody to be. You know, leader, vocal, setting the example, setting the tone for the... The, you know the team on the pitch in the dressing room off it, representing his club well, representing himself well. Not surprised, you know. And that's not that's not to say I'm not pleased, but we've not got out of Connor Cody that we weren't expecting. Maybe the other thing I would say is I'm 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 surprised at the, the the immediate impact of it. I mean. I've been meaning to check my stats to see the quickest time somebody's been captain for Everton, you know, after first joining. Yeah. You know, know I mean, I think John Collins was and Phil Neville was, but that was because people were been injured. But Connor sort of got it. I know, I know Seamus is is, is being off the pitch. He's sort of going to be the the captain you would think for the foreseeable future. Um, You know, with with Seamus not playing. And I think um, that's testament. To to his influence on and off the pitch, yeah. The bonus we've got is 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 for somebody who went about ten years without scoring a goal. He's got good instincts in the uh, yeah. the penalty box. I mean, if that was Ru Van Nistelrooy on on Saturday, he'd be saying that was great movements off the striker, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. And and also as well, he was he came close to scoring the first half, didn't he? Within six inches away from putting us ahead. So yeah. that's that's the the other bonus, and obviously. You know, obliged to say he did score the win against us last year, didn't he? Um, but yeah, not not Cody given, isn't it? Take it to the bank. He's gonna be gonna be like that, and he's at a, I, I I I suspect that if you're gonna gonna list the top professionals on and off the pitch in the Premier League from top to bottom, he'd be one right near the top, wouldn't he? Cody, um, and that doesn't surprise me. John, another player who was given you know, a big chance at the weekend at St Mary's was Frank McNeil. Obviously coming in the summer from Burnley, you know, high profile signing, certainly in the you know, in the absence of Richardson. He's obviously not been 
given too many chances so far this season from what we've seen in terms of, you know, starting birth. But in a couple of weekends in place of Anthony Gordon, who's obviously been sick of being ill in the, in the, the days leading up to the game. What did you make of McNeil's contribution? Obviously, he got himself on the score sheet. But, you know, was you, was you impressed what you saw? Is, is it enough to be pushing Anthony Gordon for that starting birth week in, week out? I mean, I liked what I saw a lot. Whether or not it's, it's enough to be, you know, to force Anthony Gordon out the side when he's fully fit, I'm not quite sure. But that's, you know, that... That isn't a bad thing for that's no disparagement to, to McNeil. I think Gordon is very good, has been one of the best players of Everton's season so far. You know, um, yeah, Dwight McNeil was he was very good. I, I quite like Dwight McNeil. He's obviously made a, a slower start of his Everton career than perhaps, say, you know, some of the other signs like Cody, Tarkovsky, and, and Onana. But you know, he's been he's been busy, he's been, he was busy when he's had his chances, he's, he's worked really hard defensively. and yeah, there's only so much, and I think this is something that we need to bear in mind for all those kind of players who are a bit more creative from Gordon and Gray to McNeil and, and to a certain extent at Wobie. You've got to remember that these are players that haven't been playing with a recognised striker for the first eight games of the season. So that makes that job, you know, whether it's having someone to create for or somebody to, to work off, it makes the job of those of those wingers and those attackers a hell of a lot harder. You know, Dwight McNeil found out on... The fact that he was playing on, on the on the day, he found out on Saturday, so he, he didn't have a, a lot of time to kind of prepare psychologically for it. But when I spoke to him after the game, he said that it wasn't nerves that he felt or pressure. He said he was just grateful for the opportunity. And you, you get that sense that he is somebody that, although he's played more than 100 games in the Premier League, you know, he, he realised that he's fortunate to be where he is and he wants to try and take the most of the chances that he gets. And, and he, he obviously did that on, on Saturday. I don't think his desire, his determination has ever been in question, but perhaps what has been is, is and he's not the only one, that little bit of end product. And, you know, we saw on Saturday, obviously, you know, the goal was, a, was fantastic. You know, the, the first touch was brilliant. The finish was was superb. When I spoke to him after, I, I asked him which he thought was better, the first touch or the or the finish. And for him, it was the first touch. You know, it was quite a delicate first touch and quite a vicious finish. But, you know, as he rightly says, you don't get the finish without the without controlling it appropriately in the first place. He says he was aiming for that narrow angle, that roof of the net as well when he hit it. He was delighted to end the, the goal scoring drought that a lot of people made a lot of when he when he signed. The fact that he didn't even score last season, he provided one assist. You know, as with any stat, there's a lot of context to, to that. And certainly on the assist front, I think a lot of people ignored the amount of good chances that he did create that weren't put in by his teammates uh, at Burnley last season. And he was... You know, he was a victim of that a little bit on, on Saturday as well, because you know, whilst the goal was a, a piece of fantastic quality, one of my favourite moments of the game on, on, on Saturday was his through ball to Damari Gray when Everton were already 2-1 up. You know, Everton were on the counter-attack and it looked like he'd missed his opportunity to, to, to play Damari Gray through, but he was patient, he waited, he waited, and it was just such a delicate but precise through ball that sent Gray through one-on-one and you know, had Gray managed to finish that, then it would have the last 20 minutes would have been a lot easier for, for Frank Lampard and everybody else. But you know, his attacking attributes came to the fore in moments on, on South uh, Southampton and it showed what he can do. And for Everton to, to have that in the squad, to have that you know, strength and depth, the fact that you know you have someone like Anthony Gordon out and you can turn someone like Dwight, Dwight McNeil, who's not just reliable but does have that moment of quality in him, is you know. Again, it just shows the progress that's being made at Everton because he's got Lampard has got those opportunities, he's got those options in the squad. Whereas, you know, we look at the back end of last season and 
you know, it really was a struggle to, you know, you get the first 11 on the pitch and you look at the bench and I appreciate that a lot of this is because of injuries, but, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of strength and depth ever in this season in a situation where they can be without Dominic Calvert-Lewin. They can have Anthony Gordon unable to start because he's not feeling 100% and yet they can still go to the South Coast and win a very important game. Bees, in terms of you no know, Brent McNeil, and you probably say the same about Amadou Onana, is the is the you know, is it the word that kind of should be used to describe their progress is time. You know, when they've got to be given time need to adapt and, and to you know, they're not gonna come in and hit the ground running that, you know, just going to Gayas or you know, Connor Cody and James Falcast, you know, McNeil's gotta be time to develop and, and and mature almost you know, he's only a young lad and, and if he gets that time, you know, Everton might, you know, see the, the signs of a real promising Winger, you know, what we saw initially when he based on the scene of Burnley. Yeah, um, that's obviously very different circumstances between Anana and McNeil, and that McNeil is an established uh, Premier League player, whereas Amadou Anana is just coming into the, the country from having played previously in Ireland, like to Germany and France. But got to remember, McNeil is only three months older than Anthony Gordon, you know, he is still a young lad, and I know he's got quite a bit of a football, first team football under his belt. At Burnley, it, it, okay, it's, it's not a long journey geographically, and last season it was far too close in terms of the two clubs' league position. But I think going to Everton, it is a huge step up for them in terms of expectation. You know, Ben Godfrey had said something similar when he moved from Norwich City to, to Everton. You know, all of a, uh, you know a sudden, whereas it you know it, win or lose, it didn't quite matter at his previous club. There is that expectation at Everton. To, to deliver, especially someone like McNeil in the final third, similar to Anthony Gordon, where Lampard has challenged him to produce more in, when it turns to, comes to actual goals and assists and t- tangible evidence of, of what he's doing. Yeah, he offers a, a bit of a different threat to, to Anthony Gordon. I was speaking to Michael Ball today for his column. We've got that coming up later. And he speaks, um, you know, as a former fullback himself, how you'd probably really appreciate having someone like McNeil in, in front of you because of... Um, the way he does track back and a lot of that defensive work, the again, that sort of stuff that you don't see in the numbers and the stats, but was really appreciated for his, his teammates. But um, yeah, he, he actually did well. He, he came and scored those two goals off the bench against Dinamo Kiev in, in pre-season, so that would have given him a boost. But he's been a bit in and out so far this season. But just having those options for Everton is a big thing now. That, that Like Joe was saying, the team almost picks itself um, in Frank's set. Early months, but now as players come to come back to fitness, and it's going to be more so when hopefully we'll probably discuss this later. Dominic Calvert Lewin, you know, when, when he's fit and firing, but uh, yeah, just having those, those options, like I said it, it, it is a headache to a certain extent now. Um, Damari Gray, Anthony Gordon, Dwight McNeil, you know, three into two doesn't go, and uh, we presume that you know Mope will be leading the line next time out, but you know, what one of them's gonna not be in the, the, the starting lineup and this competition for places. Gavby's touched on it there in terms of you no know, Frank Lampard's got a headache, but it's a good headache for him to have, isn't it? That he has got options, he has got you know the ability to change things up. He has got you no know, Bentley Gordon's not been feeling too great in the days leading, leading up to the game. He can drop down to the bench and someone can come in and replace him because, like we've seen, not it's not just last year, you know, certainly in you know, the last couple of years, Everton are kind of one of them teams who've got a good start at 11, but they've had very little in terms of backup moving forward and you know, ability off the bench. Now it seems as though you know you look at now. I've had the quarry come off the bench at the weekend. You know, Everton have got you know quality and abundance in a, a, a lot of areas now, haven't they? That you know is, is a welcome kind of relief for Frank Lampard. He does have options to turn to, and he's not reliant on the same players week in, week out. 
Yeah, absolutely. There are other people who can who can come in. Uh, definitely, I think McNeil. The the benefits he's got is left footed, isn't he? So he gives us gives us something different. I mean, I think there was a big difference between his set pieces on Saturday than than Gray's. I thought Gray's were were were, were poor on Saturday. I thought McNeil's were were, uh, were far better. And um, somebody, somebody, I read somewhere on one of the forums, somebody drew, drew a comparison of McNeil and very early James McFadden when he came yes. to the club in 2003, 2004, 2005, where players who are not left-footed and not, not blessed with great pace, but they, they, they'll give you something like um, McNeil did on, on Saturday, and, and, and I get that. But yeah, we have got options Definitely. Uh, I won't talk about midfield again because I'm fed up talking about midfield and <laughs> about what, what options we should have. Uh, well, that, that's good to see. And also, defensively, when we get a few players back, we'll have options there. So, he's had a bit of, he's had a bit of stick, Frank, hasn't he, over some of his substitutions? But on occasions, his hands have been tied behind his back, haven't he, about who he can, who he can bring on. And, um, yeah, that, that, that's good to see. Competition for places is not the worst thing in the world to have. And um, I think if people are looking over the shoulder that there's somebody coming up behind them and may take the first team place, I think that's uh, everybody benefits from that, don't they? Joe, one man who did pertain to the, the Blues' start lineup on Saturday was Seamus Coleman, obviously in, in place of the injured Nathan Patterson. And, you know, you've got to, you know, it, it seems like you seem to say the same things about Seamus all the time. and you know, he's full of praise, but again, you know, he showed his true professionalism and his true nobility that he come in, hasn't kicked the ball all season, but you know, just started right in and, and produced a solid outing for, for the Blues. Yeah, he did really well. He did do really well. It was notable throughout the game. You know, I think, um, you know, one, one of the first things he did was was defend a, you know, a back post cross, beat Che Adams to the ball. And you could just see that, obviously, we, you know, we know Coleman isn't the... the biggest physical presence but the way in which he can read the game just carries him, him through it you know he's right place right time you know, throughout that first half he was so composed defensively you know, I remember you know, just noting down the moment when he was under pressure by two Southampton attackers on his own um you know on the, on the touchline his own half and he managed to shield the ball and play it back to Pickford and maintain possession and he just did so as if he had all the time in the world and it was really impressive he managed to get forward quite well as well. You know, end product wasn't quite nailed on, but he won a number of corners for Everton from, you know, overlapping down the, the right hand flank. And then you know, the back end of the second half, you know, some of his some of his efforts at the back post again. You know, his timing and his is the way in which his timing and position allowed him to to win headers and to clear balls against much bigger um, opponents was was really good. You know, I think. You're never worried when it comes to Seamus Coleman about his commitment or his ability or his, his, you know, his passion or anything like that, his attitude. I suppose one thing that you might be a little bit nervous about is where, it's, where his body's at. Obviously, he's a fair bit older now. He's had, he's had that surgery over the summer. And you think back in the last season, you know, when it came in the, to the crunch period, he was playing as the third centre-back in a back five, which is obviously... Well, where there's not as much pressure on him to be as mobile as there is as to when he's playing fullback, yeah, which is obviously what Patterson has been doing in the last few games. But 
yeah, there was there was no issue with anything like that. Coleman came in, he did a good job, he did well. He took the captain's armband again and you know led out into an important three points, and it was just like he'd never been away. Because that's always the biggest compliment you can play any any player, isn't it? When they return after so long out, and you know, obviously James has been forced watching off on the sideline to recent weeks, but Nathan Passing now done so well. But to not look like he hadn't been away and to just come straight back in has done nothing had changed. Is the biggest that's the biggest compliment you can give someone, isn't it, when they return to the side? The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, and um Seamus Coleman got a big point to prove. He's a proud man. He's um he's you know, like like Connor Cody, he's another model pro. And uh, I mean shit, Frank Lampard went as far as saying he's you know the, the greatest man he's ever met in his life. No, I mean we're, we're laughing, but you know, think of all the, the people in football that Frank Lampard's met and been, been involved with, and you know, to come out and say that after Everton stayed up, and I think that obviously shows you that you know what what respect he commands, but while on the one hand, he'd be glad that Nathan Patterson has progressed and there's, um, you'll see him as the, the long-term successor for him, the heir to his throne, as it were. Um, he, he still doesn't want to be seen like he, he's, he's a spent force. And I remember, obviously, when he had that awful double leg break and the night he came back, um, Leicester City, I think it was, and he went on this incredible lung-busting run in the 90th minute. And it's almost like, I'll show you it. I'll show you, you know, I can still do it. You know, he's proven to the fans. He's proven to to himself. And, you know, it'd be somebody pretty foolhardy to, to write him off. Yes, it's terrific that Nathan Patterson has come on leaps and bounds, you know, after a bit of a false start last season. And he is, you know, he's the long-term solution in that, that position for Everton. But... Um, Seamus Coleman will be determined to to get as many outings as he can. I can't remember off the top of my head. I, read, I wrote a piece last week. Um, you'll have to do well to get it, but um, Gav might be able to help me. He's, he's about 20-odd games off Tim Howard for most Premier League appearances for Everton. So, little things like that, that would be motivating Seamus. I mean, the fact and that and a, a trophy, which he's, he's always said, there's, you know, he, he'll want to go out with a bang and, you know... Uh, Perhaps about to turn 34, he'll, he'll be determined to prove there's, there's, there's a few miles left on the clock. Gav B says there is there's a few miles left on the clock. But in terms of Seamus, to bounce back the way he has done, to prove people wrong, it just illustrates why he's highly thought of, isn't it? Why he's so, you know, loved and admired by Frank Lampard, because ultimately, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of people might just suck. Some people might, some might look to move elsewhere to get guaranteed game time. Seamus has just, you know, accepted it, waited for his chance and come back in and, and, and stamped his mark on the side. Yeah, he's on this, I don't know what his contract situation is, I just think still think he's on pretty decent cash. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I thought he struggled a little bit at the start, but yeah, I thought he played really well. Be, we are play, we're playing Southampton, by the way. I think there's a couple of games coming up where you'll see a different different test for everybody. We need, need to remember, I thought Southampton, you know, they looked... Uh, they looked as if they could be like us last season, didn't he? Um, but yeah, the Seamus is. You know, we spoke about Cody having character. Seamus has got it. I mean, that broken leg was five years ago, wasn't it? I mean, that Leicester game you're talking about, Derby's, that was January yeah. 18, wasn't it? So, mm. I mean, you, you, you're thinking oh, this could, you know, end his career. And there he is, five years later, still, yeah. still getting the first team, first team spot, albeit with Passam is injured. So, that's testimony to his his own grit and determination, and a bit like Cody, you'd say, "Well, are you surprised, really?" And you know, and I think 
he's still got an opportunity to, to beat Howard, definitely. And he's just been a, a great asset to Everton Football Club on and off the pitch, hasn't he, for, for, for the decade now. And I remember, in, I think it was 13, 14, didn't he get in the PFA Player of the Year? Yeah, then Martinez for sure. He gets seven goals that year. or something. Yeah, team of the year 13, 14. So yeah. it's not as if it's all been, you know, fight and desire and, you know, all this type of stuff. In his prime, when Baines was on the other side, he was a top Premier League right back with plenty of quality. It's not just um, grit and determination, as I say. So I think people have forgotten about that as well. So, yeah, huge admiration for Seamus. Um, he's been he's been a great asset uh, for Everton Football Club, and like Cody's a credit to his profession. Joke for all the talk of people who were at St Mary's and involved on Saturday, there was one notable admission again for the Blues as Dominic Calvert-Lewin was again not included in the Everton matchday squad. I think what has become a bit of a concern for Blues supporters recently because that has now transpired into a major concern that the forward still hasn't returned to the fold, given the kinds of mixed messages we've received from Frank Lampard. How concerned are you that way yet to see the return of Dominic Calvert-Lewin to whatever match day squad, given he's been back in training and given what Frank Lampard initially said before the West Ham game, you know, three weeks on, we're still yet to see him, you know, even make up the substitutes. I think I think Sunday's squad, the Manchester United squad, is probably going to give us the most insight, really, into where things are with Dominic Calvert-Lewin. You know, just before... Just before the international break, Lampard suggested that he might have been available for, for West Ham. Obviously, didn't make the squad. And the, the idea was that, as a you know, if you don't risk him there, he's got another fortnight of international break to, to come back even stronger. You know, when you look at that, you think, well, OK, well, if he's 85% and the next fortnight might get into 95%, you can kind of see, a, well, you, you can see a logic there. My concern against West Ham was the fact that he wasn't even on the bench because, you know, I repeatedly said this, West Ham wasn't a must-win game, but it was a game that Everton could really have done with winning. And you'd have thought that if, if Calvert-Lewin was in the situation, the fitness that we thought he was at at that time, at least having on the bench for the option for the last 10, 15 minutes is surely an option that if it was available, you would have thought that Lampard would have wanted to turn to. and then not use if, if he didn't need to. Obviously decided against that. You know, in the build-up to the game against Southampton, when you know, speaking to Frank at Finch Farm on, on Thursday, and, and to be honest, he played down the likelihood of Calvert-Lewin's in, involvement. To me, it wasn't a, is Calvert-Lewin going to come back and start against Southampton? The question was whether he was going to be on the bench or not. Obviously, he wasn't. And, and again, that, that is definitely of concern because we know that Everton aren't, blessed with options going forward going forward or something like this a striker and they don't really have a you know a, a, a target man up top I know Rondon's available but it's clear that there's only a they only Lampard only wants to play Rondon in certain moments uh, he obviously brought him on against Southampton and you can see that Everton would definitely benefit from having somebody a lot more clinical at the top, you know, not just a target man, but just a, a natural goal scorer like Calvert-Lewin is. So there can be no question that if he's available to play, you would think that Frank Lampard would want to play in the first opportunity. He felt comfortable doing so. I can understand, especially given Calvert-Lewin's injury record in the, in the last 18 months that he's had, why, and also with how big this next six weeks or five and a half weeks as it might be, is now for the club 
um, and how grueling and attritional it's going to be. I can understand why until now Calvert-Lewin hasn't been risked. You know, I'm not looking at this at the minute and thinking I'm at complete panic stations. If he doesn't get in the squad against Manchester United on Sunday, I think then I, I then my concerns would be there. I think they would certainly step up the next level because you know, if you're in a situation where pre-West Ham Lampard was thinking that he's in contention and then a fortnight international break, Southampton, and then another week later, he doesn't make it onto the bench, yeah, then I think that would perhaps suggest that his recovery hasn't quite been as complete as as as, as we hoped it would be, or you know that the, there are still some concerns there around getting him back on the pitch. So, I think we'll have to wait and see for Sunday. But obviously, it's not ideal. Uh, you know, we wish Dominic Calvert-Lewin all the best in getting getting back into the squad. He's a you know, fantastic footballer. You know, he's Evans' best striker. He's Evans' best goal scorer. Everybody wants him back, fit and firing. And I think everybody would understand that that meant delaying his return for a couple of weeks or a couple of games but sooner or later we have to get to the point where he gets onto that bench and hopefully gets onto the pitch and hopefully it's on Sunday Please, what about you? Do, you? do you echo Joe's thoughts there or are you a bit more concerned that you know we get to see the full in action in some way shape or form given you know he's been in training and stuff over the last couple of weeks yeah, I mean, I saw him in that um, final pre-season friendly against uh, um, Dinamo Kiev at Brotherson and the, he, he looked as good as he, he'd been for a long time, um, got himself on the go, on the score sheet and um, was, the, was it the header from Tarkovsky's ball upfield? It was a really smart finish and he, we were all thinking, oh yeah, you know, he, he's he's back to his best after what had been a hugely frustrating stop-start season for him the previous year. And then... Um, I think a month or so, six weeks out, because of what Frank described as a, as a, as a freak injury before the, the Chelsea game. But how many freak injuries can you keep having? Um, it, it's I don't blame Frank Lampard's stance on this. He's, he's doing the right thing because it could be all too easy for the manager to go, oh, you get back out there, we need a result, especially ahead of West Ham United, you know, when Everton was still waiting for the first Premier League win. You couldn't really have blamed the manager for sort of pushing the player to go out there. But Frank seeing the bigger pictures, he often has done, obviously, uh, last season as well, when people say, is this a huge game? Do you need to win here? And he's like, oh, no, the bigger picture. And he's doing that with Dominic Calvert-Lewin because he's probably thinking, well, of course we all want to get him back as soon as possible, get him off uh, onto the pitch, hopefully get him onto the score sheet, up and running. But where's that long term? And terms of, is he going to break down again? Um, so I think Lampard's doing uh, the correct thing and he's, Thinking that hopefully if we keep him waiting until he is right, and then when he when he's hundred percent, we'll, we'll get him out there and it'll be okay, and we can have him for a prolonged period because as Joe says, he's he's the main goal threat um, in that squad. But you just wonder from the, the player himself, he must he must be frustrated now that he he's not been able to to, to get back there because you know we were told oh uh, fortnight doing well over the international break, then there's another week now, then all of a sudden you come to Manchester United and you're talking a month's period there that on top of when you thought he was coming back. So, yeah, it, it, it is concerning. I mean, hopefully, you know, it could be all changing and he'll, he'll, he'll come back. But at the moment, until he does get back onto the pitch, or at least in that match day squad, you, you have to have concerns. Gavin, is the concern what Bees just touched on there more that Calvert-Loon keeps picking up these type of knocks than the concern of these actually not being back in and around the squad, you know, since he returned to training fitness a few weeks ago? Is the concern that he keeps picking up these knocks because... You know, for someone who didn't have many injuries the last, you know, 
sort of 16 months, you know, yeah, has been riddled by injuries, hasn't he? You know, he's he seen last season, couldn't, couldn't stay fit, and now this season, he can't stay fit again. Yeah, in other words, if he comes back, it might just be a matter of time before he gets well, is it. Yeah, you need a 2.0. Yeah, yeah, could be. We spoke about this the other week about how certain yeah. players all of a sudden just become injury prone, and you, there's not a lot you can do about it. I, I get Joe's points about that. If he, he's missing on the weekend, then that the, the will be alarm bells. The frustrating for me thing for me as well is is if there's a couple of weeks and he gets back in a month's time, and you you've got a month, five weeks off because yeah. of the World Cup, and you, you're losing. You're losing any momentum, aren't you? Okay, it'd be a nice trip to Australia and stuff, but you know, that'd be a, that's a different thing. Yeah, I, I just, it's it, that's the thing with Cavalier now. He is like in that McMeaner territory of, yeah, even if he comes back on Sunday, for how long? That that's the thing, isn't it? Really, and that that's that. I think that's the more concern to me than sort of when he's going to come back. Is yeah come back but for, for how long and it's all a bit clouded in the secrecy freak injuries all this type of stuff and I, I'm also going to back my mind that you know he said last year he felt the mental side of it about being out as well yeah and, and I think that might come into play in terms of is you know he mentally reacts to to all of this because that must be and I know I know support you know people that say oh they paid loads of money Premier League footballers and stuff but they just want to play football don't they and like anybody, in, you know, if you can't do your job for whatever reason, and, and you're like doing your job, you've got pride in it. You've become frustrated, and I think I think that will also be impacting uh, Dom as well. Not just the, the physical physical struggle as well, the, the mental side of it. And um, so yeah, come back, but you don't know, dear. How long? How long is that for? Um, if you miss, you know, we've missed two months already. Before you know it, you you fit, but it's after Christmas, so I'm a I'm a little bit concerned about Dom, but you just want to see him back on the pitch and hopefully get a good run in the team. Having said that, as I said on Friday, is your automatic choice up top? Well, on Reese Stevens, you suggest no, wouldn't you? Well, that's a, this what we talked about. That's what we said before about good to see that we've got competition for places. Like last season, it would have been. You know, but this season, the way the way the team sets up a little bit more, and the way Mope forages around up front is more. I think than what Frank wants off off the off 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 the players in front of the defence, and uh, and the way the way Frank sets up, and he may what he may prefer that perhaps, and maybe Calvert Lewin will will be able to flourish when we are sort of progress, able to play more progressive football. It's just it's just good that we've got competition when he comes back. To be fair, which I think is, uh, I think that that's a real positive. Just before we finish, gents, Joe, I'll come to you because even though the transfer window in this country is closed and has been closed for a number of weeks now, there was some transfer news yesterday. You, 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 know, you reported on it for the Echo around the Solomon Rondon's future. It, it seems though, despite him being given offers to leave the club, he's going to remain at Goodison Park. That looks to be the case. So, you know, the the transfer window in the United Arab Emirates closes tomorrow, which is Tuesday, uh, for anybody that's listening to this. So, there has been there's been definite interest from 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 a club there from Sharjah who are who are actually top of the league over there. So, obviously, we know that 
Alan's gone over there in Natalie that quite a lot, quite a lot of relatively high profile players have made the move over to, to, to the pro league actually over the course of, of the summer. It's quite, uh, it's, it's quite interesting following, you know, who's gone over there. Sharjah are interested in making Ronda one of them. At, at the moment, it doesn't look likely, you know, obviously a, a lot can change. Um, you know, these things are often quite fluid. And I think that Rondon is, is probably someone who, if, uh, if an offer that, was attractive came in you would think that Everton would consider it you know he's out of contract at the end of this season um, but at the moment you know my, my understanding is it's 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 looking unlikely so if I mean if he, if they do pull off a, a deadline day deal and obviously you can hold me to account on, on Friday but the the current position at the minute is I say these things can change but I think Rondon will probably be be with us uh, at least until until January um, what I don't know, if I'm being perfectly honest, is how much of the thinking is related to the situation with Dominic Calvert-Lewin. You know, I, whilst whilst I think it's unlikely that Rondon goes, I don't know if it's part of the, the decision-making process. Is concern over whether Calvert-Lewin will be, you know, fit and firing for the next of um, next next five and a half weeks or not. You know, I'm not sure of that background, but. I don't. I think he will be still be a, an Everton player when we um, when we do this podcast in a couple of days' time. Right, gents, we will leave them. Oh, you have something to say there, Gavin Rondon? I was just going to say, we'll all be listening. Get our transistor radios out, listening to the uh, the final moments of the the UAE transfer window tomorrow night. Then with me to breath, deals. Would you let him go? I mean, say, say for instance. Uh, Say, for instance, a, a decent offer came in, and I, I'm not even going to speculate about what a decent offer is, but, I mean, would you automatically go, let, let him go, or would you look at Everton's squad and say, actually, you know, it's probably worth just keeping hold of him just in case, or...? Keep him. Yeah, I think so. I think he's got a role to play, hasn't he? The way we play, we're, we're going to the way we play it tight. We're going to be, hopefully... If we win a game this season, it's not going to be three or four nil, isn't it? It's going to be one nil with ten minutes left, and he's going to be needed to come on the pitch, which he has done quite effectively on occasions this yeah. season, hasn't he? Keep the I'm ball in, the, keep, keep the ball in the corners, put himself about a bit, just be a nuisance. And as you say, with Calvert Lewin, uh, maybe his fitness doubts. Um, I think I think Rondon has got a role, a bit slightly truncated uh, role to play for us between now and Christmas and going into mm-hmm. January. Yeah, I think the same. I thought Joe was on a wedge there from the UAE League, the way he was talking <laughs> it up. There, he's, 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 I imagine he's been the UAE Jim White, Chris. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I think there's a coming Getting himself a gig there, I think. Imagine him. <laughs> so we'll warm into training, I think Joe was angling for there. Nice little pressure yeah. to the UAE to, uh, to scout on what is going on. In the league that we don't really care about, if we're being honest, we don't see enough of, do we? Or in this country. But, gents, we will leave it there for today. I think we've chewed the fast enough over Everton's victory over Southampton and all matters concerning the Blues. But we'll be back on later on in the week to preview Sunday's huge game against Manchester United. Sunday night, under lights, very different Sunday game, isn't it? But lads, you know, seven o'clock kickoff at Goodison, but set to be another blockbuster Goodison occasion. And we'll be back to preview at the end of the week. But for today, you've been listening to Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.